Today we're going to be studying the 144,000, and um, I am I'm very excited about this topic. Um, often Christians are tempted to frame up the stuff in the Bible in the weirdest possible way. So often the Christian tendency is to make things as weird as possible. And uh, I don't know that there's anything in the Bible that people have made weirder than the 144,000. Are you following me here this, this, uh, this morning? So I want to actually take a study through the 144,000, and as we study through it, I think you're going to be absolutely excited by the beauty and the simplicity and the power of the message of the 144,000. To get our start, we're actually going to need to open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, actually. Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 7. If you guys are going to put the slides on the screen, if we could use the New King James Bible, that would be excellent. New King James, if you're putting it on the screen. If not, that's okay. Your pew Bible is available there. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look in verse 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who, what's the next word there? To him who overcomes, I will give him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus comes and he visits with seven different congregations. And I have some great news for you, church. Every church, every church throughout human history has been screwed up. The only one in Revelation that wasn't messed up, Jesus says that they're weak. Okay, so that's not much of a compliment, right? So even the one that isn't totally messed up, they're weak. So Jesus approaches each of these seven churches, and he has a message like the one we just read. If you have an ear, listen up, and I am calling you to be an overcomer. Revelation chapter 2 Verse 11, let's read Revelation 2, verse 11. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt in the second death. Verse 17, he visits another church. He says to uh, this church, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Verse 26, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 26 says, uh, He who overcomes and keeps my works to the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. I hope you're noticing a theme here. He who, what? Overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Verse 12, notice verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him 
the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him a what? What will God do to him who overcomes? He will give them a what? New name. Now, this is actually incredibly important, what we just read here. Really important. This language of overcoming is actually essential for understanding the, ch- the 144,000 children of Israel. In fact, look at Revelation 7. In verse 4, it describes the 144,000. And I want, I, I'm just going to make a really important, we'll read Revelation 7, verse 4, then we'll make the point. Revelation 7, verse 4, I heard the number of the, those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Now, at the end of time, there is a battle between good and evil, and those that follow Christ are marked with a seal, and those who follow the beast are marked with the mark of the beast. Okay? So there are God's people who are marked with the seal, and there are the beast people that are marked with the beast, but the people who are sealed, they are called the 144,000 children of what? Israel. Now, this is incredibly fascinating. Israel, well, let me ask you, does anybody know what Israel means? Israel means the one who has wrestled with God and overcome. The word Israel, in a, in, if you wanted to m- turn it from being a sentence into a single word, the word Israel literally means overcomer. So I, I just want you to think now, Israel is a Hebrew word, okay? So I want you to follow Revelation chapter 2. Jesus goes to the church and he says to the first church, church, there's an issue. Um, I'm, you're kind of struggling. You don't have all the love that you used to have. You're standing for the truth. Good. You're missing out on some love. You need to be an overcomer and return to your first love. He goes to the second church. You're facing this challenge, persecution, and you need to overcome and remain faithful to death. You need to be an overcomer. He goes to the third church, the fourth church, the fifth church, the sixth church, and the seventh church. And at every step of the way, he addresses the challenge the church is facing, and he calls them to become overcomers. Listen to it. He calls them to become Israelites. Did you just get that? I don't know. Did you get it? It's a play on words. It's a play on words, right? So overcome, church, overcome, church, overcome, church, overcome, church, overcome, church, overcome, church. Seven times he calls on the church to overcome. And then uh, just a couple chapters later, you get to Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, and he sees that there are or there is a group of people that heard the message to be overcomers, and they have become the children of Israel, the children that are overcomers. Now, to understand this, to understand this, we actually have to spend some time 
looking at the story of a man named Israel. Now, uh, just to give you the quick story, you remember in the Old Testament, there's a guy, his name is Abraham. Abraham has a child, that child's name is Isaac. Isaac has a child, his child is named Jacob. Jacob's name becomes Israel. Jacob becomes Israel. Okay, you following with me here this morning? Let's go look at the story of Jacob and let's see what process he went through in leaving behind his identity as Jacob and taking on his new identity as Israel. Come with me to the book of Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 25. In order to understand the 144,000, I I have to tell you, we have to understand the story of how Jacob became Israel. Go to Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to begin in verse 23. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac has a child named Jacob. We're going to begin uh, in Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to begin in verse 23. Isaac's wife, Rebekah, is pregnant, and God gave her a pregnancy. And in verse 22, it says, uh, uh, verse 23, skip verse 22. Verse 22, there's all this turmoil in her womb because she's having twins. And in verse 23, um, uh, it says, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older, important point, the older shall serve the who? The younger. Verse 24, so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau, which, you guessed it, means hairy, okay? Afterward, his brother came out. Are there any Harrys here today? Okay, it's not a, it's not a new name. Yeah. So, Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was what? Jacob. Isaac was 62 years old when she bore him. Now, fascinating thing. The the first child comes out. His name's Esau. The second child comes out, and the Bible says that the second child was hanging on to the heel of, of, of Esau. Now, to grab someone by the heel, okay? That's an idiom. And that idiom means trickster, deceiver, liar, okay? It's a little bit like, have you ever had somebody when you were going to go sit down and they pulled your chair out from behind you and you hit, you're like, hit the ground, right? Like chair stealer, heel grabber. It's kind of the same thing. Okay, so the Hebrew word for heel grabber, deceiver, is the word Jacob. So Jacob comes out of the womb hanging onto the heel of Esau, so they call him Jacob, the heel grabber, with the implication that he is a deceiver. Now, what we see as we read through the story in Genesis chapter 25, 26, and 27 is that Jacob 
unfortunately, lives up to his identity. Genesis chapter 27. The boys have grown up. Esau was a man of the field. He was an active man, liked to hunt and spend time out in nature. Jacob was a quiet man. He liked to sit around with his mom. Okay? So, dad developed a liking for Esau, and mom developed a liking for Jacob. And by the way, if you ever want to know how to not parent, okay, just read Genesis. Basically, every way to be a horrible parent is given to you in great and glorious detail in Genesis, okay? So, so just read Genesis and just don't do what they did, and you, you're on your way to being a decent parent, okay? So in Genesis 27... Esau, whose dad loves, Jacob, who mom loves, they're grown up. Dad is getting old and blind and going to die. And dad realizes that it's time to pass on the blessing to his oldest son. Now, God said, who was going to get that blessing? Who did God say was going to get the blessing? The younger son, Jacob. But dad, he's not on board with God's plan. Genesis 27 Let's pick it up in verse 1, Genesis 27, beginning in verse 1. Now, it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son. And he said to him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and said uh, to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Now, go now to the flock and bring me, bring from there two choice kids of goats and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, that he may bless you before his death. Okay, now, did you follow all of that? I know that was a lot of Bible verses. Dad says to, to his oldest son, son, I'm going to die soon. I want to bless you. Go, make, go, get, go hunt, get some game, make me a great meal, and, and, and I'm going to bless you. Mom overhears that. Mom goes to her other son and says, um, dad is planning to bless the oldest son. Go get me some goats. We're going to cook him some dinner, and you're going to pretend to be your, your brother, and we're going to make him some dinner, and you're going to get the blessing. In fact, we'll read more of that story right now. Verse 11, Genesis 27, verse 11. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a Jacob to him. 
Did you get that? I will be a deceiver to him, and I shall not bring, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Now, mom, I mean, look, again, terrible parenting here. But mom says, the mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. And he went and got them, and his brother, uh, and he got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes that her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of, it, of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Ooh, those are... Well, you guys know the story, right? You know, you know what it's like to tell a lie, right? And dad, I mean, dad says... I mean, we just read it. So he went to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? I mean, at that moment, can you imagine Jacob's heart? I am about to lie to my dad. Next slide. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Verse 20, but Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Okay, pause here. If you're going to lie, it is, I would suggest it's not a good idea to bring God into it. Okay, just, just a little intro. Just a little side, side issue, number one. Number two, notice what he says, because the Lord, who's God? Ooh. What does it tell you about Jacob? He doesn't say the Lord, my God, or the Lord, our God. He says the Lord, your God. Jacob doesn't have the kind of full-hearted commitment to the true God that he really needs. Next line. Verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you really are my son Esau or not. 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Verse 23. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he, what? Blessed him. Verse 24. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank Verse 26, by the way, wine in the Bible can refer to for anything that comes from the juice of the grape, fermented or unfermented. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. 
And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. 28. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Verse 30. Now it happened. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac Look what it says. Then Isaac, what? Ooh, you feel the emotion of that? I see this elderly man convulsing. And he trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, notice what it says, he, what, shall be blessed. At this, Esau, the older brother, completely loses it and is on a rampage and intends to kill Jacob. What do you think Jacob does in this circumstance? He becomes a homeless man. He runs away, becomes a homeless wanderer, flees the presence of his parents, flees the presence of his brother, and and this ushers, this deception of Jacob ushers in another, another segment of his life. Genesis chapter 29, let's pick it up. Genesis 29. Jacob is taken in by a relative named Laban, and Jacob begins to work for his relative Laban. We're going to pick it up in verse 15. Jacob is working for Laban. Laban said to Jacob, "'Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing?' Tell me, what should your wages be? Okay, so Jacob is a homeless wanderer. He knocks on uh, Laban's door. He's taken into Laban's home. And Laban says, look, I need a hired man. Just because you're my relative doesn't mean that you should work for free. Tell me what your wages are going to be. And I mean, this is a big break for Jacob. At this point, Jacob is a homeless, wandering man whose life is completely fallen to bits. So Laban says, "What, what should your wages be? Now, Laban had two daughters Dun, dun, dun. And the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, 
I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Massive pause. How many of you have heard horrible things said, like in the Old Testament, women were like cattle, they were bought and sold by men, and they go on and on and on about how horrible the world of the Old Testament was? How many of you have heard that? Okay. I got some news for you. If a homeless guy comes to my house and wants to marry my daughter, he's going to have to demonstrate that he could actually take care of a family. Amen? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if a homeless guy wants to marry your daughter, he's going to have to prove himself that he's man enough to take care of a family. You follow me here. Now, in the Old Testament world, there was no divorce court, there was no alimony, there was nothing, and so it was very common when a man wanted to get married, he would have to give that woman a very significant amount of money, and it was essentially a guarantee, it was like a safety net for her. If I am a dirtbag, scumbag, loser husband who abandons my wife, I will lose my wealth that I have given her as a promise about the kind of human being I'm going to be. Do you follow this, yes or no? So it's not a a women were bought and sold, okay? It's not that at all. It was a protection for the woman in case her husband turned out to be a loser, okay? Do you follow me here this, this morning? So you got a homeless guy, shows up, and he's going to work, and hey, like, look, I like your daughter. Okay, you can work for seven years, and I'll let you marry my daughter. Okay, so what happens next? Verse 19. Verse 19, Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her away to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Pause. That is the most romantic verse in all the Bible, isn't it? Come on, ladies. Uh, you got to say it. That's the most romantic verse in all the Bible. Um, next slide, verse 22. So, so uh, and Laban, let's go back one. I'm sorry. Then Jacob said to Laban, the seven years are over, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Verse 22. And Laban gathered together all the men, by the way, just a little, another side note there. Go back one slide. I'm sorry. Keep doing this to you guys. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. That's very sexual language, okay? Now, Jacob, number one, demonstrated that he was a hard worker and that he would be a reliable man for her to marry. Number two, he demonstrated the ability to restrain his sexuality. Now, this is an important point, okay, because because it is that ability to have appropriate sexual boundaries that actually guarantees the stability and the sanctity of the marriage, okay? So, so I want to encourage you who are not married to be radically committed to that kind of sexual um, uh, discipline in your lives because it's, it's, it's not that people didn't 
uh, do it back then because they were worried about disease and pregnancy and all of that, although that could have been an issue. The issue was moral character. If you restrain yourself during that courtship period, you are demonstrating the ability to, to have appropriate sexual boundaries, and that gives confidence that in marriage you will not be a flora- uh, 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 running around doing your own thing. Do, do you get what I'm saying here this, this morning? So the seven years is up. He's waited seven years, and he's like, okay, I've demonstrated my financial, um, my financial capability. I've demonstrated my, my, um, my sexual restraint. Now is the time. Give me my wife. Okay? Verse 22. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Verse 23. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took... Leah, oh, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. Now, everybody always asks, how do you get the wrong girl? And uh, to be honest, I have no clue, okay? I have no clue. I mean, I, I can imagine a few things. I do know that in, in the Jewish culture of the day or in the culture of the day, it was very common as a part of actual, the actual wedding service to go into your mother's tent and actually engage in intercourse. And so that was like a part of the whole wedding celebration. So I guess I can imagine maybe, I know that's kind of weird and a little bit delicate thing to talk about at church, but it is the world of the day. So you guys can forgive me. So, I mean, I don't know exactly how that happened. Maybe, maybe the wine they were drinking was fermented. I really have no clue, okay? Which, by the way, if that was fermented wine and that's what happened, it's a good reason to avoid it. Because the Bible does say in Proverbs 23 that your eyes will behold strange women, okay? And everybody's heard of beer goggles, Now, it came, uh, go back one slide. It came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Verse 24, and Laban gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter Leah as maid. Verse 25, so it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. Not the surprise he was expecting. And he said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then did you, why then have you Jacobed me? Wow. Now listen to what he says in response to that question. Listen to the answer. Why have you Jacob me? Why have you deceived me? Look what his uh, uncle says. Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the what? Younger before the... What did Jacob, Jacob his dad about? Being the older when he was the younger... Oh, those words. I mean, those words would hurt no matter what. But those words would have cut deeply 
given Jacob's situation. Do you follow me here this morning, yes or no? There's a special significance to those words because Jacob deceived by giving the younger before the older, and now he's deceived in the same way. Now, Jacob works and, uh, for more time, and he is given Rachel, and this introduces an absolute horrible mess, as you can imagine, because he's married to Leah, who he doesn't like. He has her handmaid. Um, he is married to Rachel, who he loves, and her handmaid. Leah can't seem to stay not pregnant. Rachel can't get pregnant. And basically, parents, I'm sorry here, I maybe should have given you a warning, but uh, there are, Jacob is with four women at this point in his life. Okay. Not a good situation. Can, can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen? Not a good situation. By the way, well, I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. Jacob is in a mess. He's fled his mother and father. He's fled his brother who wants to kill him. He's now sleeping with four different women. Jacob's life is a wreck. Don't you love the heroes of the Bible? Right? Do they give you hope? There comes a time in Jacob's life when he's going to go towards home. Genesis 32, verses 7 and 8. Jacob is going to meet his brother, verse 7. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Jacob now has a large family, wives, kids, concubines. And he divided the people that were with him. He's going to go see his brother. He's afraid. He divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies, verse 8. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. The last time he saw his brother, he was sure his brother was going to kill him. Jacob is now going to see his brother again, and he is afraid. He is afraid, and so he is trying to protect his family, and he then goes and spends time in prayer. Look there in verse 22. We'll read about that. Verse 22. He arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford at Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. Now, you notice that rest, that man is what? What, is the, what does the Bible do there? It capitalizes that. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Jacob is there. Jacob is burdened. He is worried about his wife, his wives. He's worried about his kids. He's worried about everything. Everything in his life is a mess. And the sun is setting, and he's facing war with his brother, and he's in agony, and there he's praying, and an assailant attacks him and begins to wrestle with him. 
until the breaking of the day. Next slide, verse 25 says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, okay, the man is being wrestling, and, and the man saw that he was not prevailing against him, he touched the socket of his hip. Now, when he touched the socket of his hip, the Bible says, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of what? Okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not used to preaching at this church, and I don't know how much you can handle here today. The Bible is definitely a more graphic book than we tend to give it credit for. Normally, when I think about Jacob being touched on the hip, I think about something like right there. Is that what you generally think? Yes or no? Okay. The problem is, and there might be some medical professionals here, if you push here, does the, so, does the, does the hip go into joint or out of joint? If you're pushing here, the hip goes into joint. Now, <laughs> careful now, preacher. Good luck, he says. That means if you're going to take the, 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 the hip out of joint, you have to come this direction. Okay. Now, to add a little bit of earthiness to this, the word is that is used is the muscle of the thigh. That's the Hebrew phrase, which is a euphemism for your genitals. You know, it's amazing. At this moment in Jacob's life, he is a sexual mess. Isn't he? He's sleeping with four women. In every way, he is a mess, and he's wrestling with God. And, and let me just say it this way. Again, I, I, you know, I guess I shouldn't be so... I, today's my last day, right? So I guess I should be, feel more comfortable. No, I'm just kidding. Let me just say it this way. I think this is an appropriate way to say it. God put his finger on Jacob's problem. Now, some of you right now are thinking, this pastor's lost his mind and he has problems. Okay. That's okay. All that could be true. Okay. Here's the interesting thing, and, and, and this is why I, I think I can tell you I'm right here. After this night of wrestling, Jacob never sleeps with anyone but Rachel again, and she is his only true wife. And Leah is no longer referred to as his wife. You can read that. You, you guys want to see that? You want some evidence? Look at Genesis 49, verse 31. It's, this is an amazing text. Genesis 49. Genesis 49, verse 31. Look what it says. There they buried Abraham 
and Sarah, what is the next line? His wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, and there I buried who? Notice what it doesn't say. My wife. After the Lord put his hand on Jacob's problem, Jacob surrendered that area of his life. And he demonstrated sexual continence after that. He was faithful to his one true spouse. Incidentally, people have said, well, there's all this polygamy in the Bible. Yeah, there is polygamy in the Bible, and it's always talked about in a negative way. And the one guy that it seems kind of positive, like the founder of the whole nation of Israel, the Lord dealt with him, punched him so hard where it counts that he knocked his hip out of joint. Genesis 29, let's go back there. Genesis 20, or no, excuse me, Genesis, where am I at? 32. 32. Genesis 32, we started there in verse 22, and we're going to probably be, uh, yeah, there it is, verse 25. Now, when he saw, I'm in verse 25, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched him in the socket of his hip. The socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, this is an incredible perspective. He is wrestling with God, and God is dealing with Jacob's issues. And that's the point here today. God and Jacob are wrestling, and in this wrestling match, God is dealing with Jacob's issues, and, and, and it's not comfortable for Jacob. And Jacob says, I, look, I'm not going to let you go until I get what I came for, and I came for a blessing. Okay. okay, church, look, has Jesus ever meddled in your life? Okay, Has he ever made your life a little uncomfortable? Has he ever monkeyed around with your issues? Don't give up on Jesus. Follow Jacob and say, I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. Amen? Verse 37, 27, next slide. And he said, oh man, what is your name? I'll tell you, my friends, you know, Jesus starts working in your life and wrestling with your issues, and, and, and then once you think he's like wrestled with your issues, then he goes the next step deeper. Did you just hear that? The last time Jacob was asked what his name was, that was his dad, and Jacob lied. And he lived up to his identity as a deceiver. Whatever mistakes we make, you can be sure God loves us, to, loves us enough to bring us back around. And so God says to Jacob the same thing his dad said, what is your name? And Jacob said, liar, deceiver, Jacob. 
verse 28. And he said, your name shall no longer be deceiver, liar, heel grabber, but what? Israel, which is what? Overcomer. For you have struggled with God and with men and have what? Prevailed. And that word prevailed, overcome in many translations. Do you get it? God put his finger on Jacob's issues. He was a liar, deceiver, immoral man. And Jesus wrestled with him and wrestled with him and wrestled with him and brought him to surrender and blessed him. And check it out. He gave him a new name. And that new name means overcomer. Israel. What does it mean to be an Israelite? Does it mean that your great-grandfather was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Is that what it means? Does it mean that you come from the right family? No. It, what does it mean to be an Israelite? It means to have the experience of Jacob. To wrestle with God. Look, I'm a broken person. I'm, I got crazy things in my brain. You got crazy things in your brain? Come on now. It means to wrestle with Jesus and let him bring you to surrender and prevail with God as an overcomer. When Revelation is calling God's people to be the 144,000 children of Israel, it is calling us to be people like Jacob. It's calling us to be people like Jacob who wrestle with God and hold on until we get the blessing, wrestle with God and hang on until we get what we came for, the blessing of God. And you know what he does? He changes our identity from liar and deceiver to victor, from cheater and ungodly to prevailer. Today, my friends, When we read about the 144,000 children of Israel in the book of Revelation, what we're reading is the story of Jesus coming to the church in Revelation 2 and 3. He goes to each of the churches and invites them to become overcomers. He invites them to become children of Israel. So what's God doing in your life? What's God wrestling with you about What's God striving with you about? How is He calling you to wrestle and surrender with God? I don't know, but I do know that He is and that He's not going to give up on you. Amen? We've gone long today. I want to have a prayer of dedication. I want to have an appeal, and then we're just going to call it quits and go to lunch, okay? We'll skip, we'll skip our closing hymn today. So let's bow our heads. So our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder if there are some Jacobs here today. I don't know what your issues are. Sometimes I don't even know what mine are until the Lord really starts working.
But the Lord, I do know this, that the Lord is wrestling and working and striving, calling each of us to be victors, to overcome, to surrender our lives to Christ, not in a superficial, casual way, but a sincere, like, like look, I'm willing to live the rest of my life with a limp because Jesus matters. I'm willing to live the rest of my life with a limp if I can get the blessing from God. That's a serious, serious battle that God's people face. Here we are, Lord, bowed before You. We're opening our hearts, Lord, just asking that You would wrestle with us. Lord, I, 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 ask, I ask for myself. I, I'm not asking here as a, as a, as a perfect man who, who, who's, who's got it all dialed in. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm asking that You would wrestle with me and that You would wrestle with my friends and, and that, that, that You'd put Your finger on whatever our issue is. And then when we think we've kind of got it out in the open, that You would bring it one step deeper and then one step deeper again giving us more and more surrender and devotion to Jesus. And I pray the same for our church here, Lord. You know not just us as individuals, you know us as a corporate community. And we just pray, God, that you would wrestle with us as a community. Make us the 144,000, Lord, children of Israel. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Is there anybody today that just wants to say, Lord, wrestle with me? Wrestle with me, Lord. I, I'm weak. I'm ungodly. I need you to wrestle with me. Go ahead and raise your hands up and just say, Lord, wrestle with me. Wrestle with me. I, I just need you to wrestle with me and bring me to surrender. Thank you, Lord. Bless us today, Father, and may we be your wrestlers. May we be wrestlers for Jesus. In His name we pray, amen.